You glad we watched the OC? El podcast donde vemos y discutimos el programa de televisión estadounidense seminal de principios de la década de 2000, the OC. Y también mi español es impecable, no puedes picoteario. Oh I'm Sarah. You slurred one of your R's like it was French. <laughs> They're close. Oh my god. <laughs> Spain and France are close. And I'm Evan. And that's Evan. <laughs> and you know all pronouns. Uh... Uh, today we are discussing episode 20. Well, what is this? this oh, oh. I, you, I just said what it was about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> was, the, was the last thing you said? Your Spanish is impeccable? I Yes. I said my Spanish is impeccable. You cannot peck it. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God. Today, <clears throat> we are discussing episode 20, season one of the OC. Oh, yeah, shit. This is the 20th fucking episode. This podcast is almost old enough to drink. Whoa. 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 Because in podcast years, it's every two weeks and like last episode uh, we're recording this fucker again on a thursday because uh our weekend calendars are very very full quite suddenly of uh what like union meetings and um going to things going to things and buying bras and stuff like that it's all sorts of exciting shit Exciting shit, motherfuckers. Why are you telling them that I need a bra? They wouldn't assume that. They're cool. <laughs> I considered getting a little bra for my teeny titties. Why are you telling them that? I have nothing to hide. I, I, I suppose. <laughs> These fuckers ain't never seen me except the fact that most of them have. Because <laughs> they live... <laughs> <laughs> and the same block as us, basically. You would want to start with a bralette, I think. Yeah. 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 That's probably fair. Okay. Also, uh, you would just know you would hate it. You would just feel it all the time, and you would be like, "What is this on my skin?" And yeah. you would like claw yourself out of it. That's true. Yeah. Um. So I get a uh, news news segment. Do you have anything? Um. Yeah, man, you know, okay, so one of the things we talked about in the shop today was all the fucking terrifying legislation that's being um, right, written and passed and uh-huh. stuff like that. And I was under the very naive impression that a lot of these things didn't have a leg to stand on because they're such blatant... Um, uh, what would, what would it be? They they blatantly disregard the uh, First Amendment, right? The right to free speech, uh-huh. right? Um, but someone in the shop who is more astute 
than I am, shout out to Jacob, said that that's the whole point, that all of these legislators passing these horrible bills recognize that they will eventually come before the Supreme Court, and they are banking on the fact that the Supreme Court has been stacked with so many conservative fascist judges that they will rule in favor of the legislation, thereby um, codifying it into law and setting a very dangerous precedent. Um, so something that I thought was like a tiny silver lining in my head, like, you know, I thought to myself, well, there's no way this shit will pass because it is so blatantly against free speech. Um, I was like, you know, that's just, they're just doing it to rile up their base or whatever. You know, Jacob was like, oh no, they know exactly what they're doing. And there's basically no way that these fucking uh, asshat justices aren't going to just pass this stuff um, because they don't give a shit. So and that I was very sad. It is also partially to rile up the base, though. Then it then it then it made me very sad. I was very sad then. I'm sorry. But then we watched the seminal television series, <laughs> The OC, and this was a fun episode. This episode was quite fun. There's a lot to talk about. It's setting up some things for the future that I think might not necessarily be fun. So that's the end of the. <laughs> <laughs> yes this episode i'm also again we're gonna try and keep it under three hours um mostly because we have to go to bed yeah mostly because we are tired yes and needs our beauty rest yes so we start out where we're gonna just get into the episode here we go here we go just hold your nose and jump in lie back and think of england <laughs> um we are doing the thing in the opening scene where we're paralleling a conversation between the boys and the girls. Both uh, Ryan and Marissa are separately wondering to um, Seth and Summer how the two of them are going to be friends. Because they express the desire to be friends, but also I think this is the first time it's brought up. They have nothing in common. <laughs> they liked, I think Marissa doesn't allude to this until a later scene, but the, we'll touch on it now. Essentially, they like fighting about Oliver and uh, Luke and making out. And that is not the basis of a good platonic friendship. We're also like... It's square in the time where men and women can't be friends was in the culture. Yes. I think. Was it Harry Met Sally that introduced that as a sort of as a running a truism? Yeah, as a as a as a trope. I th I I can't answer that question. It was the first time that I became aware of it, but mm -hmm. there was probably stuff about it beforehand. Okay. Readers. <laughs> Um, listen, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> and <coughs> right, because uh, this is the first time I think that somebody says, and, "Oh, and it, it was it was um, Seth." Seth says, "Were you ever friends?" Yeah, yeah. That's it's going to be a question uh, that a lot of people pose throughout the episode. <laughs> and then, okay. 
while they're all having these conversations, we cut back to Ryan and Seth and the reference material that I'm using says Ryan's cell phone lights up, but I'm pretty sure it's Seth's cell phone. It is Seth's cell phone. Yes. Because Seth specifically says, like, I don't know. This is probably summer now. Yeah. Because, um, evidently they got over the, the awkwardness of their fucking uh like now they know how to fuck real good. Yeah. Somehow. So he's like, this is probably the little minx now. Yeah. Raring for that D. He says something along those lines. Why? This this is very confusing to me. (laughs) Why wouldn't Ryan have his own cell phone? Why is Teresa calling Seth's phone? Yeah, that also. Because Seth picks up his phone and he says, this is probably her now. That little minx. She needs a dicking down very badly. A Seth Cohen dicking down is what he basically says. Uh-huh. Then he picks it up, because it's his phone, uh-huh. and he's like, yeah, baby, you want to get dicked? And it's like, oh, it's Teresa. Uh, yeah, here's Ryan. It's a little confusing. I think they have a throwaway line that says something as to why she has his number. Well, I mean, it wouldn't make sense in if... Duh. I am... Um, words are happening in my head, but they're not actually coming to the forefront. If it was canon that Ryan did not have a cell phone and that was like established at any other point, it wouldn't make sense if he reconnected with Tariq. If he doesn't have a cell phone. Sorry, sorry. Keep going. I'm I'm sorry. Because that's where my brain jumped to, like why he doesn't have a cell phone. Um, So if he didn't have one and he reconnected with Teresa, then he would say, I don't have a cell phone, but if you really need to talk to me, here is Seth's cell phone number. But it does not make any sense why he wouldn't. This whole scene does not make any sense. <laughs> the The writers are on one. But, and it's very early in the episode. I'm trying to remember now. I'm trying to think back. Does Ryan have a cell phone? Because, okay, we're in 2003, so this mm-hmm. is well before the ubiquity of smartphones. Well, well, well before. I don't think the iPhone has been invented yet. Right. And smartphones is when... We learned that from Conk on Earth. Really, everybody started having smartphones. Sorry, smartphones is when everyone really started carrying around a phone. Yeah. God. But everybody in this school, I think, would have one because it was such a status symbol at the point in history. Sure. Especially for teens. Did you have a cell phone in 2003? I was 25, so yes. Yeah, I was 23. And I did, but I... God, which one did I have? It was old. I think it was a... It was huge. At the time when having a huge phone was not cool. Yeah. Um, but I loved it because it had big, fat numbers that I could easily dial. Uh, it had no bells and whistles. It was the cheapest, shittiest phone. It was massive. The thing was a brick. I loved it. Um, for the longest time, I never... For the longest time, I didn't even keep it on because I didn't want to receive calls. I always, I would leave it off. I I had to charge the thing like once a month at most because I would turn it on to make calls and then turn it off again. God, I miss those days. I miss not being able to receive phone calls or texts. 
I was on my ex's cell phone plan because my ex worked for U.S. Cellular. Oh, I see. Don't get on a plan with your boyfriend when you're 25. Oh, shit. When things sort of went south, did you lose access to your cell plan? Well, that's the thing. I was dirt poor and he knew that. Yep. So he kept me on it probably longer than... I mm-hmm. should have been kept on, mm-hmm. but I, you know, stayed on it anyway because yeah. needs must. Needs must. But it was very awkward. I can. That sounds very awkward. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, you showed him. He's got kids, and you you just got a raise. So here, let's cheers a little bit to that. I sure. Pick here. Did. I want to cheers you. Let's see if we can. There we go. Yeah. Slant you. Ah. Anyway, yeah, this scene is weird, but it's Teresa. It's Teresa on the line. Teresa's on the line, and Teresa's like, Hey, Ryan, I'm going to be in town. Do you want to hang out after dinner as friends? And Ryan, newly single, and, you know, sort of confused and generally kind of, you know, not having the best time with the people in his life, uh, is like, oh, yeah, a person uh, who I associate with good memories from my youth mm-hmm. and the place where I'm from. Heck yeah, let's hang the fuck out. I do want to put a pin in this for later because it does seem like he's much more congenial and vice versa with the Coens in this episode. Yes. Everybody seems to be getting along pretty well. Mm-hmm. There's even a point where Seth, like, talks about what's going on with Ryan. It's like they've heard us complaining. Yeah. <laughs> all 19 previous episodes. Uh, I, I, this, this, this episode, um, there are some episodes that feel like a slog, you know, where yeah. I'm like, oh my God, like a lot of, a lot of, before I became Team Oliver, <laughs> a lot of the Oliver, which I, looking back on it now, was just a defensive measure, you know? <laughs> I just needed to... Really, I it was it, it was Stockholm syndrome because I was being held captive by this plot line, by this story device, uh-huh. and I was like, okay, no, you know what? Yep, now I'm associating with my captor. Yeah. You know, like that's it. Yeah, I, I was so before I became Team Oliver, the whole Oliver plot line was painful for me and a slog. This episode was a delight. That's where I'm at with the Julie and uh. Well, that is giving me life. We will talk about that. Uh-huh. We will talk about... It's giving me complicated life. Uh-huh. Very complicated life. Uh-huh. Because we've talked about this. We have. And we'll talk about... We have to keep fucking talking about it. So another thing that is uh, noteworthy about this phone call with Teresa is we show Teresa's end of the conversation and Eric Balfour from six feet under is like, hey, baby, while she's on the phone. She just, she's just hung up. She's just hung up. And he's like, hey, baby, will I see you later? And she's like, yeah. But we see her kicking the edge of a suitcase under the bed. So what he actually says, so first off, he is very shirtless. And um, I don't, I, I can't exactly remember where the camera is playing. Um, but he's just obviously come out of the shower. He's telling off his head. Um, he has a fabulous body, like 
dear God. But anyway, he's like, hey, baby, who was that? And she says, wrong number. Oh, and that's he's right. like, ah, yes. And then she uh, kicks the suitcase a little bit underneath the um, fucking thingamajigger. Yes, so we are led to believe... establishing Teresa as an unreliable narrator. Well, I don't think she's an unreliable narrator to us, the audience. Uh, I think she is... See, okay, I'm glad that they didn't go in the direction I was afraid they were going to go in. Because okay, we I was establish afraid they were... her as a filthy liar. <laughs> Continue. To him. To him. To that guy. To... What's the guy's name? What's the character's name? Eddie? Jazz? Is it Eddie? Eddie. Okay. Um, So this was my thought. Uh, Not knowing a whole lot about the Eddie character. Oh, did you think he was, like, abusive? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, is she trying to flee? Because in that little scene, we only have three pieces of information. She has called Ryan... She is leaving. She is not telling Eddie that she is speaking with Ryan and that she is leaving. Those are our three pieces of information. And this show is certainly not going to shy away from, if it wants to, having a plot line about Teresa escaping a potentially abusive relationship. I'm really glad that it didn't go there in this episode and it helped me enjoy this episode more. Oh, in the 11 years that we have left recapping this television show, it's going to go to some domestic abuse places. I mean, I would assume at some point. Hopefully it's just none of the characters that I know and like being being abusive. We'll find out. We'll find out. Don't spoil it for me. No spoilers. No spoilers. Um, but yeah, then we go to da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? Or did it, was it before that? It doesn't matter. I, yeah. The audience doesn't need to know if we were da 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 dying at that point. Right. Um, now we're back at school, and there is some awkward conversation between uh, the fourth, the core four, again. Um, you are correct in that Marissa says hi in fairly unhinged ways. <laughs> I noticed it this time. So they talk for a couple of minutes and what they say is inconsequential because Brad from the water polo team with the fabulous hair. Yeah. It's very fabulous I hair. I am hair. Al- I am also jealous of his hair. Oh, you've got fantastic hair. But I, I could have Brad hair and I yeah. don't. Um, Seems like a bad move on his part because he's going to have to try and shove all of that under a swim cap all the time. It just seems really... All annoying. Oh, rich people don't have to wear swim caps. You, If you're doing water polo, you have to wear a swim cap. That is part of regulation play. You cannot not wear a swim cap. Oh, rich people water polo does not follow the rules. Do you... What do you know about water polo? There's horses. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. People try to drown each other? I yeah, know. I mean, we'll watch some water polo later. Trust me, you have to have your... Honey, it's a defensive thing. Like, if your hair... So, A, if your if your hat comes... Hat. If your swim cap comes off, the referee will blow his whistle. And Well, that was very gender essential stuff. Me, The referee will blow their whistle. Uh, and you have got to get your cap back on because you are not allowed to be in regulation play without your cap on. Uh, additionally, if your hair is all out like that, 
someone is going to grab that and yank it out of your damn skull or force you under the water with it. Like it's like rugby. You don't want to give anybody a handle to grab onto. That's hot. Hotness aside, uh, he comes and he's like, hey, Summer, uh, so there's going to be a... What are they fundraising for? Uh, it, Do they even the ever say? The water polo team. <laughs> <laughs> we're fundraising, and for some reason we're doing a kissing booth? I, I have like, questions. I feel like even by 200, 2003 standards, this would be a little bit reprehensible. I have, yeah. I've got questions. I've got questions for these school administrators. I've got questions for these parents. I've got questions for these children. I have questions for the inevitable cold sores. And also, let's look back at what we know about one summer last name. Roberts. Thank you. Did I ever know that? It doesn't matter. Let's look back all the way to the early episodes of this season. Okay. What do we know about Summer? Way back in 2002. What, we, have a, we have a count from Summer, don't we, Sarah? We do. What is that count? Ew. Ew, correct. Summer, for me, is uh, generally associated with a few different uh, emotional tropes. Uh, and one of those is disgust. She is easily disgusted, right? Yep. Um, for the first, I want to say like, 10 episodes uh she was generally disgusted by seth cohen um but also more broadly disgusted by the majority of the population of the school she attends mm-hmm. right so the writers of this it's show more like an existential you i think sometimes it's a very guttural nauseous you yeah um sometimes now I, I will say this the writers of this show obviously use summer and sort of manipulate her character to to round peg round hole you know move the plot along right i'm going to cite candy striper uh summer as one of those circumstances Mm -hmm. where the writers went whoa shit we need to be able to sneak them into this hospital summer's a candy striper now sure okay I didn't mean to talk over you. Do it. Do it, please. I largely agree with you, but I also don't think that they necessarily show any of the other characters' extracurricular activities that are just having to do with stuff they do on their own. Do you know what I mean? This, I I mean, you're right. You're totally right. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is... I'm both making and refuting my own point because my original point was there's no fucking way summer of the first five to 10 episodes of this fucking show would ever goddamn volunteer to kiss a bunch of motherfuckers just so they have $10. Like there's no fucking way. What if Seth Cohen got into that line? She'd shoot him with a gun in the first five to 10 episodes. Like, so then I refuted my own point by saying, oh, but Summer's character is maybe the least consistent of the bunch. Um, because again, fucking Candy Striper. Like, what? That was out of left field. So her being super gung-ho to volunteer for the fucking kissing booth is also very out of left field. Also, the pecking order in this school, I think, is very well established. Like, think about 
and we're going to jump way ahead for a second. Do it. Like, pr- create a visual for yourself of the line of American <laughs> youth yes. that were in the line to kiss Summer Roberts. Yep, I have it in my head. That is a line of people who have self-selected, is my argument. And whatever fundraiser they're fucking concerned with is something that the popular boys have signed off on. Mm-hmm. So there will be no, there would be no hypothetical Seth Cohen's in this line because they would get serum unceremoniously dumped into trash cans. You really, you think tried. so? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And a show like this, yes. Interesting. Okay. All right. I would love to go back and watch that line again because I thought I saw some very middling to average looking guys. I don't think they were all lookers. I, oh, believe me, I have an eye for high school. <laughs> okay. All right. I know. I'm just, I'm kidding. I don't. I don't. Oh, my God. All right. So. Going back, guy from swim team is like, yep. hey, Summer, you want to volunteer for the kissing booth? I'm going to be the one that kisses all the girls. You want to be the guy that kisses a bunch of random guys? And she's like, yeah, I love to help charity. Sure. And again, jumping ahead to Summer's speech later, it sort of a little bit makes sense to me that she would be so gung-ho about this if she truly was experiencing the emotions in the speech that she gave to Anna, poor Anna, mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that part. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is this is not out of character, as I think it was when we, I thought it was when we first started discussing this. All right, all right. So then it should also be noted, because this comes up multiple times in, in this episode's plot, Summer basically ignored Seth completely mm-hmm. while having this conversation with what's the captain of the fucking swimming Brad. Oh, that's right. And uh, when <laughs> when Seth saw Brad, he was like, "Hey, Brad, I barely recognized you out of your out of your speedo. Not not like I would have recognized you in a speedo. Is that gay panic count? That is gay panic count. Fantastic. We haven't seen We're that back. in a few episodes. We're back. We got all the hits, baby. <laughs> we got a Caitlin count. We got a Rosa. We got count. a Rosa count today. Uh-huh. She back. Although we did not see Caitlin. No. But apparently we. Caitlin is still alive. That's the Caitlin count. Does Caitlin exist? We don't need to see her. <laughs> We didn't hear her voice on the other end of the line. Julie could have just been making that up to get rid of Luke. I'll pretend my other daughter is still alive. That'll get rid of this kid. Okay. Silence all of your devices. You silence. Mine is silenced. Uh, Yeah, so next. Keep going. Here we go. I can't help it if the water polo team is texting me. <laughs> okay, so Summer gets kind of. Uh, she leaves with Brad to mm-hmm. discuss kissing booth preparations. Mm-hmm. Seth is freaking out because he's like, I was standing right here. Did anybody see me? I was standing. Did, did, am I invisible? Blah, 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 whatever. Um, so this means that Ryan and Marissa are just kind of staring, gaped at each other. And Ryan just kind of turns and exits the scene. <laughs> because best friends and people who are on track to being good friends 
um, definitely sprint away from each other when they're alone. Mar- well, because Marissa asks, you know, hey, uh, how are you? And in a very awkward turn of phrase, he goes, I'm uh, uh, late, gonna go. And yeah, yeah, and then brushes past her. Like he's trying to score a fucking touchdown. She's the defensive line. I do. I'm beginning to notice um, Misha Barton and uh, fuck. Kobe. Tone. Ben McKenzie. Damn. I was yes, so close. I got it. I was so close. Their acting is beginning to sort of mirror each other. Have you noticed that? Yes, actually, like, I have. Marissa, uh, Misha Barton is adopting the, the blinky response <laughs> the slow blinking the, that a cat does when yes. it likes you well no just kind of the i don't know how to respond to what you just said so i'm going to blink at you several times yeah 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 yeah. it's almost cute oh for sure okay in the student lounge we're at lunch now I don't, I don't remember. Right. You have to bring me along here. I don't remember. This is when Summer is sitting along the walls, squished among the whole polo team. Mm-hmm. And Seth is beginning to kind of formulate his plan to go on strike. Yeah. A little What's bit. What's he reading? He's reading something here. I didn't. Re- I didn't catch. Yeah, I didn't catch it. It's a book. He's reading a book. We get it, guys. Seth reads books. Be- oh shit there was a scene before this though um because what's her name catches him in the hallway and we're like oh she still fucking goes here oh yeah he has a little scene with anna yeah um and anna and he he apologizes he's like you know oh yeah she's like so i guess you and summer are a thing now huh i can't say i'm surprised that is why i dumped you and he's like look i know you know i didn't intend to have it happen it just sort of happened quickly and she's like fine whatever i had a good trip to pittsburgh pittsburgh home of ketchup (laughs) mr rogers what was the third thing um i can't remember me neither it hardly matters readers What's the fucking name of our Tumblr again <laughs> that people are supposed to be interacting with oh, and never will? Y G W W T O C dot Tumblr dot com. <laughs> dot com. You fucking picked it, man. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> it makes sense. Anagrams. <laughs> that's not an anagram acronyms a, yeah acronyms what's yes. an anagram again anagrams. oh as if you rearrange the letters of one word it becomes another word or phrase yes yeah okay so anyway he has a, a quick catch-up with anna so we know where she's been and poor fucking anna like <sighs> justice for anna she she's, deserved way fucking better she's still dressing like an absolute maniac <laughs> That's what we love about her. Yeah. She's our little maniac. Yeah. But like, she has to fucking come to terms with the fact that this boy that she really liked and for all intents and purposes was basically perfect for her. And he for, she for him, um, is into this fucking putz for some reason. And this putz is also into him for some fucking reason, despite the fact that they have literally nothing in common. Maybe this show... Well, and this show has actually said so explicitly. It's like, ah, you you know, opposites attract. You don't gotta fucking like anything the other person likes. You just gotta fucking like their eyebrows. 
or something. Yes. But anyway, that's the scene prior to the scene that you are about to discuss where yep. he's sitting on the couch. He's watching Anna or sorry, um, Summer basically get a train run on her by the entire fucking water polo team in the middle of the goddamn break room. Uh-huh. He's reading some kind of comic book or book or something and just seething silently. And that's when Anna plops down next to him. And Take it away. And she's like, this is the conversation where she says that he has to make a big gesture to uh, fight for her or whatever. The show is really big on big gestures. It really is. I don't know if this is... This is not where she says that. Um, she does say that at some point, but this is where she's just like, so, she's totally ignoring you. And he's yeah. like, no, she's not. And she's like, yeah, she's obviously ignoring you. And he's like, no. Everything's fine. We're great. We're the best couple ever. And she's like, okay. Yeah. And she did. Yeah, and she leaves. So then we get the male gaze shot from hell. <laughs> the camera starts on a pair of high heel stiletto shoes. Stiletto? Stiletto. Stiletto. Stettle shoes. <laughs> Stiletto heels. You wear them to the Seder. <laughs> what is this voice? I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I'm so turned on right now. So it starts on the heels. The the music is basically uh burr, 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 burr. Yeah. I baby trying, baby. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're doing boom, 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 boom. Yes. I was rich, baby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's much more of a boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We go up those legs. Ooh, there is some. There are some knees. They're bare legs. We're this moving. This person has knees. Both of those knees. Those knees are tan. Tan <laughs> as fuck. We go up past the knees. Oh, there's a. It's a. Um, is it a is it a is it a suit? It's a skirt suit. What mm-hmm. would you what do you call that? Dress suit? Um skirt suit. Skirt suit? Yep. Well, how would you describe the fabric? It's like one of those fabrics that at a distance it reads as a single color, but when you look at the threads, it's almost like a CMYK process where the individual threads are different are like quite actually colorful. I don't know cuz I was distracted by the titties. <laughs> yeah, right, cuz then it moves up past the skirt to the blazer to the titties. And who do we see as we go up to the face? Who is the owner of these titties, Evan? <laughs> these titties and knees. It's one Julie. Cooper, who is at the school at the school for a student teacher conference. Yes. Ostensibly a parent teacher conference. Excuse yes. Me. Sorry. Yes. Every day is a student teacher conference. I have lots of questions and I feel like almost like, you know what? We're going to do something unprecedented on this podcast. What are we doing? We're going to call my sister. Holy shit. She's going to make a goddamn cameo. I'm going to make a goddamn phone call. We're calling the teacher in our life. The specific yes. high school teacher in our life. This is the... We're phoning a friend, We're phoning Regis. a friend. <laughs> we're going to use our phoning a friend, Regis. I have, I'm assuming that I know exactly what question you're going to ask, because it was a question in my head, too. It's like why? Why do? Why are these two parents the only parents that have a fucking? <laughs> no, it's, it's ringing. It's ringing. Oh no, she's probably doing teacher things. Oh no, 
Oh Lame. no. Lame. Hello. Hi. Hi. You're oh, on our. Put my headphones on. You're on our. You're on our podcast. You're on the podcast. We didn't ask. We didn't ask for your consent. Hello. Hi. What did you say? You're on the podcast. We have a question for you. What? <laughs> you're on our podcast. We didn't ask for your consent. We probably should have, but we have a question regarding teachers. We can edit this out if you hate it. Okay. Okay. So, um, do you remember the storyline on the OC where Luke and Julie Cooper had an affair? Luke, the yes, high schooler. I do. So, do you know the scene? It's in episode 20. You don't have to have that memorized. It's fine. Um, uh, Julie Cooper and Jimmy Cooper show up in the middle of a school day for a parent-teacher conference. Is this accurate? I thought that parent-teacher conferences happened, like, on a schedule. Like, not in the middle of the day. Um... And it's not, like, a disciplinary conference. It's to talk about how well Marissa is doing. Yes. (laughs) Um, Different schools do different conferences different ways like we have had drop-in conferences where everybody all the teachers are in the gym okay and the parents just come and talk to you and they don't have appointments and they just show up and they want to talk about often just like marissa's parents just how awesome their kid is those are the parents who show up most okay um elementary schools more often have conferences like during the day like perhaps during the school day like they don't have school and they have conferences instead high schools tend to be at night after school more often follow-up question are conferences usually okay so at least in my recollection conferences were not held with a single group of parents at a time like on a like obviously they were held with a single group of parents at a time but like they were held like with multiple groups of parents coming to have their individual meetings with teachers and not just a single pair of parents coming on a day in a deeply inappropriately low-cut blouse like (laughs) would would there be a conference situation where on a on a quote-unquote conference day Literally only two parents were showing up because that was their conference day. Um, probably not. Sweet. We're going to add this to the list of things that the writers don't know anything about on this show. Um, sometimes you teach classes that like not many parents feel the need to have conferences. Like right now I have senior government and I don't expect when we have conferences that I'll have many parents because their kids are like about to graduate and they don't need to talk to their teachers anymore. Um, sometimes you have classes that like a lot of parents want to come, like they're AP kids, and so their parents like are gonna show up even if it's just to talk about how awesome their kid is. Um, but probably not just one person showing up by themselves, and there's no other conferences going on. 
Do we know if any of these kids are in AP classes on this show? I don't know what classes they're in, full stop. <laughs> I don't think they're in any classes, full stop. We never see them in one. We saw them in one, like, once. <laughs> like, episode three. Okay, is that does that answer our question? Can we let Emily go? Yes. Emily, okay. you're the best. Okay, great. Thank you. Let us know if you don't want us to edit this in. Okay. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. So it's as we thought. This would not be fucking happening Correct. in a school setting. So this is just it a is merely percent. a mechanism for Luke to run into Julie Cooper and go humina humina humina. And it's also a mechanism for Julie Cooper to say one of the most unbelievable lines ever committed to fucking paper for a character to 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 perform in a fucking piece of media, which is she says it to Jimmy. Uh-huh. And she says, it's obvious you're so involved in Marissa's life. I <laughs> guess ah, you paused and you were like, he's the fuck what now? <laughs> None of you are involved in Marissa's life. I don't think you've seen her in episodes. Does this count as an extracurricular activity that they don't feel the need to televise yeah. on this show? Being involved in their daughter's life. Right, yeah. It must be like classes. We Taking just don't see therapy. it. It's not important enough to show. <laughs> the therapy that she's in still. But I love, yeah, she's in she's she shows up in the school. Um, Luke, yeah, basically runs up like a Warner Brothers wolf with his eyes boggling out and his tongue unrolling into a carpet that she walks on top of. He's like, gee, Miss C- I mean Julie. <laughs> no, no, no. He says, he's like, uh, Miss Cooper, good, good to see you. You're looking good. Then he like he like he walks up to her in almost like too familiar a way, uh-huh. and she's like, "Luke, you know, uh, I'm a parent. I'm a parent, and you're a student. We can't do this." Yeah, and he's like, oh, "What do you mean? We're done." And she's like, "I mean, not here." I'll see you tonight. <laughs> and this is, we may as well just get this conversation out of the way right now. It's a yeah. conversation that we're going to keep having to have as this plot device continues to unfold. It's gross. It's gross. It's unnecessary. It's Right. Why it's, is it okay that he's a boy and she's a girl and it would absolutely not be okay if it was reversed? But again, I feel like we covered this ground last episode a little bit when this whole thing started between the two of them. And much as you were Team Oliver for that uh, plotline, this is where we are now. Mm-hmm. It's a, this We live here. Yeah. And I need to sort of... I need to sort of investigate or interrogate in myself why it is that I ship them. Like, I shouldn't. Because he is 18, but he's a child. Yep. He's a child compared to her. Like, the age gap is severe, which creates a power vacuum. Yep. Right? Or or not a power vacuum, but you know what I mean. The power differential, yeah, is is so unbalanced between the two of them. She is a mother. She is a professional working person. You know, she's got experience. She's got a lived lived experience well beyond the years of this young person. But like something about 
this dynamic. Well, it's partly because the actor who plays Luke is visibly 27. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to read him as an 18-year-old. Right. You're right. He's got a square fucking jaw. He's 6'3". Like... He has crow's feet. <laughs> He's a man. He's a fucking man. So it's hard to... It's hard for me to separate that. And Julie's a very sort of like young-looking woman. You know? Would you say that's fair? If we were gonna really... She's got big eyes, you know. Yeah. If we were gonna really, like, interrogate this also, Julie is canonically a unwed teenage mother. Mm -hmm. So she's younger than the other moms. Mm -hmm. She's like, I think they want her to be in her early to Mm mid-30s. And, like... I can't believe I'm saying this. That's not as gross of an age gap as it could be. For sure. And kind of, just if you're looking at her from that perspective, you're kind of like just want her to to fucking get off. Yes, exactly. That is where I'm coming from. Yeah. Because I'm looking at her and I'm like, okay, she was in... Largely what was to be understood as an unhappy marriage with Jimmy, Mm -hmm. right? Then she entered into kind of a contractual relationship with Caleb. Yeah. And she had to do something with that old dick. Yeah. Something with that old, old dick. Probably a foot fetish there somewhere. Right. And not to yuck anyone's yum, but, you know, doesn't seem like her thing. So after all of that and after sort of the trauma that she's been through with regards to her social standing among her peers pardon me like i part of me just wants julie cooper to get to get railed by a young person uh-huh. you know with the stamina of a fucking bull rhinoceros you know who can just fuck and fuck and fuck and fuck yep so i kind of want that for her but it's too bad that it's still it's still kind of gross. It's a loaded trope. That's, yes, that's what we'll uh, refer to this plotline as. Okay, what's so, going on in the old loaded trope, Evan? I recognize that it is gross of me to ship them, but I'm really sorry. I I ship them. Yeah, I ship them, and you know, I need to I need to be okay with that. So we cut from this scene to Ryan and Marissa making plans to hang out after dinner and mm-hmm. having the so let's be friends. I would really like to be friends. Do you want to be friends? And it's unclear why Ryan wants to be friends with Marissa to me. I think from my reading, he's doing it specifically only because she seems to want to. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be just a jackass that just says, stop talking to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They recognize and they actually, um, uh, they vocalize how awkward it is, you know? And they say on at least two occasions, like, it shouldn't be this weird. Why is it this weird? But that, again, to the point of the other characters, they were never really friends. No. You know? He showed up like James Dean on the driveway and was like, do you got a light? And she was like, swoon! What did he say? What did she... Oh, she was like, who are you? And he said... Whoever you you want want me to to be. be? (laughs) I would have absolutely dropped my panties 
Pondo P. Yes. <laughs> Smoking bad boy Smoking next year. Bad boy. Next to your house. Yep. Yep. So the, yeah, uh, he he apologizes for kind of how weird he was in the morning. And she's like, Can we be friends? And he's like, Yeah, you should. Oh, she's like, What about we hang out tonight? And he says, Tonight's not good. And she he's takes that as out a, with right? Teresa. Teresa. She takes that as a brush off, like, okay, we don't have to be friends. And it's like, bitch, no, that's not what I said. I said I'm busy tonight. Jesus Christ. But he tries but that to that tracks with high schoolers and that tracks with everything that we've been told about Marissa as a character. Everything is the goddamn end of the world <laughs> with this person. She's 17. So he's Continue. like, OK, OK, OK. How about after school? Yep. And she's like, yeah, great. Cool. OK. So they make that plan. And uh, when do we get to adult world? Because there is. There's the other, there's the C plot line. It is not in order in this reference material that I am looking at. It's fine. Because it says... At some point, we're going to establish this before we get into the scene that this is discussing clearly out of order. Okay. At some point... um. There's a scene with Sandy and Julie. And Julie is like, the fuck is his name? The guy. Carl? Caleb? No. The guy who... Seanus? Sean? Sean. Uncle... Uncle Sean. Sean. Yeah. Something Seanessy. Yeah. yeah. Did you say Julie? Did you mean I to, meant say to say Kirsten? Kirsten? Yes. yes. Okay. That's what I thought you meant to say. Uh, women. Titties on the mind. I know. Titties on the mind. I know. <laughs> Kirsten and Sandy are talking about Uncle Sean, who has gotten a charge. Uh, it's It begins, um, Caleb calls Kirsten into his office. She's like, hey, Dad, we're very confused by what she's wearing because it appears to be a top that is a man's tie. Yeah, I thought it was a snake. I thought it was like a reference to the Britney Spears VMA performance, <laughs> but with a blazer on top of it. I'm a cold-hearted snake. That is Paula Abdul. Lies. Are you kidding? You've been telling lies. I know it's Paula Abdul. It just is, you said snake, and it gets in, it gets stuck in my head. Yeah, so it looks like she's Beetlejuice because she has like <laughs> she's got like this black and white striped tie shirt with like a bright white blazer on top of it. And her hair, you said she's growing out bangs. Mm-hmm. It is the most confused. They have put her and Marissa's hair in a lot of confusing things. This is one of the most confusing things I have ever seen. 2003 was a really confusing time. So I just want to try. Okay, so her hair on the sides is perfectly straight, like a rainbow. Like a, like a, the way children draw hair, yep. you know, where they just sort of draw it like a halo around your head, right? Yep. But then she's taken the front of her hair and it is shellacked straight back over the top layers of her hair. And I'm assuming it's got to be clipped back there or something like that. Like, do you see where my bangs are now? Yeah. Yeah. I could do that. Yes. But it would look weird if you had shellacked the rest of your hair flat down and shellacked that back over it. I'm just saying it looks like bad 3D character design <laughs> from a low poly PS1 game. Like it looks fucking strange. Yep. But anyway, she comes in, he's like, Kiki, uh, I need a favor from you. 
yeah, daddy. Uh, Uncle Sean, uh, you know, he was drinking again and he, uh, he got into, uh, he found himself in the wrong hotel room accidentally. And uh, now someone's pressing charges. And um, I was wondering if you could ask Sandy uh, if he would be able to help. And she, kind of standing up for herself, is like, no, dad, if after all these years, if you want Sandy to help, you need to ask and we paused again and we're like, this is the fucking hill she chooses to stand on the top of this bitch. This fucking bitch. She literally broke up with her Julie mm-hmm. for Caleb. For him. Yes. Yes. This is the hill. This is the fucking hill. Gross. We don't, we've never even heard of this Uncle Sean character before this episode. We were doing like the exposition dance. Yeah. You know, you know the exposition dance. Tell them about the exposition dance. How does the exposition dance go again? It's kind of like the electric slide. Is it like exposition? What a show. Exposition. (laughs) Here we go. The audience doesn't know, so we'll tell them so. Yes. Exposition. And then we do a little fussy. (laughs) little soft shoe. Little hats appear on their head, and we take them on and put them off again. Yep. Et cetera, et cetera. Yep, it's great. (laughs) Because they're using this whole scene to explain who the fuck Uncle Sean is. Yes. So then she eventually goes to Sandy, and she does... No, um... She doesn't talk to Sandy at first. It is what's his name that tells that. that Caleb? That, that, yeah, it yeah. is Caleb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the note thing that I have says now we're going to the meatloaf scene. <laughs> <laughs> so Sandy is enjoying. Can I say this? Among the asbestos, yeah. Sandy is enjoying. It looks like they've done nothing to this restaurant. It looks as jacked and shitty as the first time that we saw it being torn to, torn to shreds. Uh-huh. Like it looks, it's just tarps and, and fucking, um, bare naked brick pillars. Yep. That's all it is. Yep. And he's like sitting in a pile of sawdust (laughs) eating some brown stuff that we will. Kicking his heels atop the pile. (laughs) Oh, this is load bearing sawdust. (laughs) Excellent. Humming. It's a hard knock life under his breath. <laughs> and Caleb comes in. And Caleb, he basically appears in a puff of smoke. <laughs> like an evil magician. Yep, with his fucking, you know, Dracula cape over his arm. Whoosh. What is a man but a miserable pile of secrets? Have at you! <laughs> pile of sawdust. Yeah, nice. Nice. <laughs> So he does. He asks Sandy to, um, because Sandy has a line to the DA, mm-hmm. is why everybody is interested in Sandy in this mm-hmm. scene. Um, much the same as we don't know what the kids study anymore. <laughs> we don't know what Sandy actually does at work anymore. Right. Does he still have a line to the DA? Does we he have a know. job? Does he have a job? Like, what is happening? He will occasionally show up in the scene and throw around some legal words and then be like, poof. <laughs> He'll eyebrow away. Yep. Like a little eyebrow fairy. A little eyebrow fairy. <laughs> He's eating meatloaf. He's eating his mother's meatloaf. They're, they're still... apparently testing out chefs. Is that what he said? Yeah. Yeah. In what kitchen? Yeah, where are they cooking this shit? On the circular saw? 
is it the part in uh Legend of Zelda where the ground is hot enough that you can just <laughs> shit on it, on it? <laughs> we haven't gotten to we that part yet. yet no we'll let you know when we do <laughs> you'll be the first to know <laughs> dear listeners so Caleb is like hey would you do me this solid and Sandy is like bitch no it's like uh, he makes some kind of vague threat like so what does he say um, it's something about uh, that comes later that comes way later okay this is all very cordial he's like um, he says uh, Caleb says it would mean a lot to me and <laughs> Zanny goes did Kirsten tell you to say that <laughs> and Caleb goes she didn't think you'd say yes <laughs> and he's like yeah well I like to keep my wife guessing that's the whole reason he fucking doesn't. Yep. So he asks Caleb if he has the police report. Caleb has the police report. He doesn't agree to do it outright. He says yeah. that he will make phone calls and look at the police report. Yeah. Which is smart. It yes. turns out is <laughs> quite smart. Yes. Because, well, we'll get to that. Yes. Um. Oh, after insulting the meatloaf... At the beginning of the scene, Caleb ends up asking if there's an extra plate of it. Yeah, fucking Caleb. First thing, he's like, uh, looking at that meatloaf uh, makes me want to cut my stomach out and throw it away so I never have food ever again. Yeah. Looking at that meatloaf makes me want to rip the tongue from my face and feed it to a pig and then watch that pig fall into a chasm of burning flame so that my tongue may never be returned to my face. It makes me want to invent TikTok so I can use the acronym KMS about the meatloaf. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so that all happens. And now we transition to the next scene. Uh, Seth and Summer are post-coiling. Yes. Yes. So evidently they f- they're just fucking now. Like full on fucking. And evidently they both like it a lot. And she like later in the episode and this I found to be I'm just going to I'm just going to I don't believe Seth is that good in bed that she is like craving the D. The D. Yeah. No. I'm sorry. I'm going to call it the CD. I think the Cohen dick. The Cohen dick. Sorry, mm-hmm. snake dick. <laughs> I think that this is giving a lot of weight to a very silly television program. But also, I want to believe that there are teenagers in the world who had a healthy enough sexual relationship when they were young to learn how to give each other pleasure. Uh huh. But again, it's a very silly show. It is. It is. So this is the uh, scene where Summer makes the tabloid analogy. I think this was the era of Brangelina. Yes, because Seth Seth makes up... um, A couple ship name for them. Yeah. Seth Summer... Ceviche. (laughs) 
So he's like, how come you were ignoring me? And she's like, I wasn't ignoring you. And he was like, you were obviously ignoring me. And she's like, okay, I was kind of ignoring you. And he's like, what the fuck? And she's like, look, uh, I can't. It's none of anyone else's business but ours. Uh-huh. I'm a very private person. I don't want everyone up in my business because then, like, paparazzis, they're going to blah, 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 and then they're going to ruin the wedding and it'll all be off. And everybody's going to get sick of us as a couple and what do we do then? And then they're going to sh- uh, root for us actively with other people and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And pop culture analogy, pop culture analogy. And she, but she does end it by saying like, and then the wedding will be off or something like that. And it's, um, again, my reference material says Seth buys this. I think it's unclear whether Seth buys this. I think they kind of cut away before. She she basically just like inserts him into her vagina and that's what stops them from talking about this. Which is effective. (laughs) It's an effective means of discourse. (laughs) Zelensky, take note. President Zelensky of Ukraine? Yeah. <laughs> Are you insinuating? <laughs> no, let's live here for a second. Are you? You can't get away from this one. You've said it. Now I'm going to examine it. Are you insinuating that to to deal with the crisis of Russia invading Ukraine... Where did your brain go from there? That he should insert show hole. Vla- <laughs> show hole. Listener, she is hiding inside of her hood now in her hoodie. Hiding her face from a judging god as if she was eating an ortolan. <laughs> Well, you should. <laughs> wow. <gasps> Show hole. Wow. <laughs> you are turning so red. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. This is why I'm not in charge of foreign policy. <laughs> I believe um, Marissa is playing video games with Ryan. Yes. Uh, and they're is not playing. No, they're not playing. It's not Samurai Shampoo? No, it's, what is it? Um, uh, Dynasty Warriors. It is not Dynasty Warriors. It's something to do with martial arts, though. Correct. There are no nunchucks in Dynasty Warriors. So... And specifically what she's saying is she says, once I get the nunchucks, I'll be able to beat you. You cannot choose a character's weapon in Dynasty Warriors. Characters come with a specific weapon that they use. But the writers don't know about parent-teacher conferences. What makes you think they know about Dynasty Warriors? I suppose. Well, they're playing an video game. And get uh, a jeu de video. Yes. And uh, Marissa is getting her ass handed to her because, of course, she is. Um, which really leads me to believe Ryan is done with this because, mm-hmm. well, no, I guess I guess that doesn't necessarily track. Dude, I don't know. if you judged 
your partners on their ability to play video games, you would be so sad <laughs> and alone. No, no, no. I was going to say, like, normally it, I would have thought that Ryan would let her win if he was still into her. Yeah. But then I thought, no, I thought about my own experience and like, I'm super into you. But I'm painfully competitive in Mario Kart, and I, like, gloat constantly when I win, and I just pout terribly when I lose. For so, days. Just pouting. Yeah. Just pouting and pouting and pouting. Just not on speaking terms. <laughs> just giving you the cold shoulder. Yep. You're in the real, you're in the doghouse when, when I lose. <laughs> make, I make you sleep on the couch. It's not pretty, folks. (laughs) So Ryan is like, maybe we should wrap this up. I have to do homework. I've got lots of homework to do. And she's like, yeah. And then who the fuck should show up but someone who hasn't been in this show since fucking episode four? Rosa. It's Rosa! Rosa. Rosa is alive and apparently still working for the Cohen family. Because she escorts in... Teresa. Mm-hmm. And we, the audience, knew that Teresa was going to be hanging out with Ryan in the evening, which is why he said he was busy that night and did not decide to tell Marissa that. I desperately want to know what Rosa got paid. <laughs> Rosa, if you're listening, write to the Tumblr. I would love, we should just look up the actor and see if she's done anything since the OC. Yes. We'll look it up later. We will not subject you to Sarah and Evan to a Google. No. So, uh, Teresa's like, hi, I'm early. And the audience is like, of course you're fucking early. Uh Why the fuck wouldn't you be early? And what does Marissa say? She's like, oh, that's fine. I should be going. Ryan's got a lot of homework. (laughs) And she sees herself out. (laughs) Oh, and the look on Ryan's face. Busted. Busted. I don't actually think that we see... Ryan and Teresa's date. All we see is Teresa sits on the couch and she's like, oh, sweet. Yeah, ninja video game. I'm going to fuck you up, son. And Ryan just looks sort of sheepish as he's like, no. Yep. And we go to commercial break. Yep. I do believe Teresa can hold her own in that video game, though. Why? Because it looks like she's very comfortable with it. I don't know. Okay. It seems like it seems like something that I don't know why I got so adamant about yeah. that. Like, what do you what are you saying? What, yeah, right. What are you implying? <laughs> you implying women of color are better at video games than than white women? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, <laughs> onward to the next scene. When we come back from commercial break, where the fuck are we? We, um, I don't remember a lot about what happens here, but this is the part where Sandy is asking Kirsten exactly what Uncle Sean is doing yes. for the Newport group. Yes. And she is being very squirrely. They're in the breakfast nook. He's like, I've been over this report. Um, and I really want to know more about this Sean character. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know. He's my uncle. And but right, he's not really my uncle. He's not really my uncle. Yeah. And Sandy's trying to get a straight answer out of her about what the fuck he actually does for the organization. Yeah. And she keeps saying cryptic things like he knows a lot of people. Yeah. And it's like, okay, 
I'm trying to give Kirsten the benefit of the doubt. And Caleb says later in the episode that he did not tell. So, right. Okay. Spoiler alert. Uncle Sean is doing some shady ass shit. Uncle Sean is basically the muscle that gets shit done when they're trying to get contracts moving, when they're trying to get, um, they're trying to cut through red tape, right? Because what does Caleb say? He says that the construction industry is a dirty industry, right? Okay. And Caleb says that he never told Kirsten about any of this because he wanted to keep her safe. However, she did sign all of Sean's checks, right? So anyway... In she's not doing herself any favors because that revelation comes later in the episode and she's giving very evasive answers. She's giving, as we say, bupkis. Yeah. Vagaries to the left and to the right. Yeah. I don't know. He knows a lot of people. Uh, he greases wheels. He shakes hands. He yep. kisses B. I don't remember what she even says, but it's we're really not getting any information out yep. of her. So Ryan comes in and is added to this scene at some point and um, ends up mentioning the fact that Teresa is going to stay in Newport for a while. She's taking, quote, the semester off, end quote. Yeah. Can you do that in high school with, like, impunity? <laughs> I don't. Is it your gap year? Do you get one? Is she like, is I'm r- studying abroad. Is it their rumspringa? 20 minutes away. <laughs> I'm studying abroad in Newport. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Maybe the writers just don't know how anything works. Like, they don't know how school works. This is my working goddamn theory. They don't know how prison works. They don't know how anything works. Are we... I I think we've officially added a do the writers know how this thing works count. Yeah, Yeah. they don't. No. They really don't. The answer is always no. The answer is always no. Or if they do, they don't care. Yeah. Yes. Whatever keeps the story going. Correct. Just just move it along. We need Teresa in Newport. Sure, she's taking a year off. Fucking in Newport. But also, this is what Teresa has <coughs> told Ryan. Oh, correct. Yes. Who is credulous mm-hmm. because so many people in his life have given him reasons to trust yes. them. Yes. So this makes sense. It does not make sense. The credulity is off the scale here. Right. So then we also go to Luke and Julie in the $79 a night motel. <laughs> and Luke is like, I wish we could live here. It's got everything we need. Each my, other. My dick. A bed. Your vulva. Cable. He's like, um, he's like, you know, he says something like, God, you're beautiful. And, you know, she's like, oh, you're sweet. Yeah. Um. And she she needs to hear that. She and I'm needs to. So mad, right? That an 18 year old. We do also establish in this scene that he is 18. Yes. And this is just a little grody and not illegal. Th- and thank goodness. Yes. Yes, because it was fully illegal when what's her name was hitting on Ryan. Because uh-huh. he's only 17, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can get squirrely about the ages of consent. In various states. Yeah, but but we're not in fucking Arkansas. No, we're not. So this is also the scene... I'm not going to Google what the fucking age of consent is in California. This is also the scene where we get confirmation that Caitlin is alive because Mm -hmm. she calls and she's outside of the house because she forgot her diorama. (laughs) Right. For school. 
And let it be noted, they are fucking before school. Yeah. They are fucking before school. When the fuck does school start? Like, for real? Yeah. Did they just, did they, oh, are we led to believe that they spent the night? Okay, now it makes sense. Because I'm like, he's not dragging his ass out of bed at like five in the morning to get to this fucking hotel. I don't know. He's on the soccer team, which (laughs) exists still. (laughs) They get up early for shit all the time. Anyway, yeah, no, you're right. And actually, that that makes sense with what we've... um, what the story says, because she said, I'll see you tonight. Yep. So my guess is, yeah, they've spent the night there. Okay, this is like their little love nest. And he's like, he keeps putting his shirt on. And he's like, I should get going. I've got homeroom today. And she's so like, oh, God, you have homeroom. Because yeah. you're a child. And she breaks up with him temporarily. Yeah. yeah. As we will see in a couple minutes. She's like, we can't, we can't do this. You're a child. I'm a mom. And then Luke and Teresa cross paths while Luke is exiting the scene. And mm-hmm. they obviously don't know each other. So there's not a like big reveal here. But we as a viewer are like, da, da, da. Da, da, da. Teresa is staying at the mermaid. Yep. The day of this little motel. Yep. All right. Uh, we find out that they're staying next to door to each other, essentially. <laughs> it's so and fucking funny. This, this is Chekhov's motel. I was really surprised that they didn't take advantage of that this episode. Oh, girlies, it will happen. I would assume Don't you it would have worry. to happen. Yeah, yes. I'm not even worried about Maybe it. Maybe Marissa will even OD again. Who knows? <laughs> So where do we go after Luke and Julie's little tryst? Uh, now we're back at school and Ryan and Marissa are having lunch together. Yes. Yes. Take us into this scene, Lil Evie. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> Sorry. They were talking about what oh. Teresa is doing in Newport. Yes. And they were also talking about... So, yeah, he was like, sorry, I just should have told you yeah. that she was going to be there, um, that we were hanging out. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't. And she was like, I also don't know why you didn't. Like, you know, if we're going to be friends, right, essentially, it shouldn't have been a big deal. And yet it, it yet it kind of was. Yep. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out if they can be friends, if they were ever really friends to begin with, what that looks like for either of them. I don't remember a lot of specific dialogue from this scene. It's fine. There's so much dialogue. But what is, what's accomplished in this scene? Oh, they decide that uh, they're going to hang out again. Yes. They're like, okay, yeah, let's hang out again. Uh, She says, I want that rematch anyway, because I need to get those nunchucks and stomp the yard with you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because they said stomp the yard. I don't think they did. No, they didn't. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, bruh. Rock paper. I'm gonna floss my teeth with your dick. (laughs) With your thin, stringy dick. (laughs) This is also the scene that I had confused with an earlier scene where Anna is like, "You gotta stand up to Summer." Yes. For uh, ignoring you whole with her whole ass body yes and brain yes um how does she come upon him 
I do not recall. Or the, it doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. I do. This is where we stopped and we were like, what the fuck is she wearing? Yes. This is absolutely in the what the fuck is <gasps> oh, Anna wearing they corner. were walking outside, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Do we take our, do we, do we do the what the fuck was Anna wearing corner now or do we do it later? Now. Let's do it now. What the fuck is Anna wearing? So I described it as where's Waldo meets the Renaissance fair. Yes. So what was on her bottom half? Did we even see? Uh, it was like a brown corduroy skirt. Okay. I also thought I saw corduroy. So yes. we were on the same page. Okay. Yes. On her top, listener, let me say, her hair has been less aggressively spiky this episode. It's she's, a much more natural she's shape. She's growing it out a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it's way less, because, I mean, like, it was aggressively spiky before. The highlights are deeply aggressive, but the shape is fine. Uh, her makeup is just as painted as it has ever been is it the pink eyeshadow yeah it's yeah. always of color i mean whatever she looks great is the thing like this actor pulls off these looks effortlessly yeah um okay but then two shirts as always the girl loves to layer um so on the top uh is a silk cap sleeve peasant blouse yep right Underneath, there are those ties. Yeah, they're not buttons. They're not iron hook. They're like it's not a corset, mm-hmm. but it's kind of approximating a corset because it's laced. Yeah, it's a laced up front, right? Which is my literal least favorite kind of top. Uh, well, when you have literally no breasts, you can pull it off though, <laughs> and she has literally no breasts, which is fine. Um, so then, underneath that. She's wearing a three-quarter sleeve, thin red and white striped boat neck t-shirt. And the accents at the sleeve and the neck are either brown or black. Yes. It's confusing. We are deeply... Our brains are still scrambled a little bit. I would love to have the confidence one day... To dress as confusingly as this character dresses. Well, also, just like everybody in this show was out of pocket. That is a Lala Kent reference, which you would not understand. So what does it mean in this context? In this context, everyone is dressing like a wild. They're making wild I am thinking of Marissa in the weird corset top. Yes, what the fuck was that? (laughs) We didn't even talk about that. It's 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 a full corset with like a like a white bodysuit. So like yeah, but it was like a weird velvet black corset Uh on top of a long sleeve white. Almost, no, crew neck. Uh, crew yeah. neck t-shirt or maybe a bodysuit. Yeah. So confusing. Everyone is just off their <laughs> banana. <laughs> yes, but anyway, she catches up with Cohen and is like, did you have a talk with her? And he's like, nah, 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 nah. and she's like, you gotta, oh, she says, she makes a really good point. She's like, because if you don't, then... You're you're basically announcing to the whole world, you're telling Summer that her boyfriend is a coward. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And he's like, hmm, no Cohen of mine knowing is a coward. Or whatever he, he says or doesn't say. Yeah. There's also, I don't remember where exactly it takes place. And I'm not sure if my source material is... Uh, it's like I didn't even watch this episode. <laughs> Do we remember where uh, uh, Anna is talking to Seth and is like, no, Anna's talking to Summer. Mm-hmm. And Summer's playing That's when she's Pac-Man. playing video games, yeah. She's playing Miss Pac-Man. And she's like, well, are you guys together? And Summer's like, probably not. And mm-hmm. Anna's like, that doesn't make me feel great. Yeah, that's later. Yeah. That's later. Okay. Yeah. That's when Seth is on strike. Yes. Which happens after his <clears throat> conversation with Anna. Yes. When she sort of bolsters his uh, self-esteem. Yes. So Seth has a bee in his bonnet. <laughs> he goes off to the local union branch. <laughs> and now we are in the scene where Uncle Sean is in the lighthouse. Yeah. Sandy. So Sandy comes into the restaurant and who is this guy that's sitting at a table? But it's Uncle Sean, whose first name is not Sean. They call him that because his last name is Shaughnessy. Yep. Which leads me to believe he's not related to anybody. This character-ass actor. <laughs> hey, I'm glad he's getting work. Yes. Um, and Sandy kind of does a you know, end of the episode, like hero speech, but we're still in the middle of the fucking episode. <laughs> like the guy pressing charges against uncle Sean just happens to be a lumber supplier who was in town, who just happened to be negotiating a contract with the Newport group's biggest competitor and rival. And isn't it a rare coincidence that it was that hotel room into which Sean just happened to stumble? And isn't it an incredible coincidence that there was probably a fair amount of um, very sensitive documentation in that self-same hotel room that certainly would have been of great interest to one Caleb Nickel? And then he like, there's a lot of really weird close-ups that happen in this scene. Yeah. Like extreme close-ups. Because then Sandy leans in, and we get fucking close to his face. And he's like... You can count the eyebrow hairs. You can! And he's like, you really believe... You really you really think I'm going to believe that uh, a gut full of liquor and, uh, and a confused old man found yourself in exactly that hotel room? You know, who do you... Uh, I mean, he's got like a smile on his face when he's saying it. You know, he's like, this is super obvious what you were doing. Yeah. And then what does Sean do? He does the old, I've been friends with Caleb for a long time, and if I were to sit down with DA, it might not be good for yous. Yeah, he's like, what is it? He also leans in, and we do a super extreme close-up. Yeah, and he's like, Caleb Nickel and I have been... Oh, no. oh he said, first he says, like, oh, that's a very interesting theory of yours, you know, or something like that. Um yeah, and then he's like, Caleb, Nickel, and I have been friends for a long time. And if I get chatty with the DEA, who knows what I might say? <laughs> Just not the kind of guy you want doing your muscle work. No. You know, muscle work guys need to be, they need to be solid. Yeah. Like, they need to be, like, I'm pretty sure Colin from Succession, Colin would never turn. No. No. Sit Colin down with the DA. He knows not to say a fucking word. They should have watched some episodes of The Sopranos. That was a more contemporary 
reference. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You don't talk to the police. It doesn't matter if you're a mug or not. You don't talk to the fucking police. You don't say shit. So the next scene, we're just going to try and clip along here. Yeah. 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 Um, Almost our bedtime. It's almost our bedtime. The (laughs) (laughs) The next scene is basically a commercial for a sandals resort. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Ryan and Teresa are walking on the beach, and Teresa's like, oh my god, I guess I see what you like it here, or whatever. What are they eating? Ice cream. But what what was it called? Some kind of Balboa bar. Balboa bar. How the fuck do I remember that? Good job. Good job. (laughs) I would never have gotten that ever in a thousand years. They look delicious, though. They look like big, flat drumsticks. Yes. And not in a cone. Right. On a stick. They look like Klondike bars on a stick. But what they do look like they're covered in nuts of some kind yes. or, or something like that. What we're saying is someone bring us ice cream. Yes, I would like an ice cream, please. Yes. Um, they talk about how Ryan is struggling to be Marissa's friend and how it's just not natural and how easy it is to be Teresa's friend. And then we get a bunch of backlit shots of fucking... And what is the song that plays? It's It plays three or four times. Something about... Going home? Going home. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like a, like a plucky guitar. Yeah, I don't recognize the song and I didn't look it up beforehand. Okay. I apologize. I, no, I just didn't know if it was a song that... Right, because very often you'd be like, and that song was blah, 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 by blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That was on Geffen Records. I didn't have an encyclopedian <laughs> knowledge of everything that was on this show. But they do use a lot of music that would become quite popular. Right. Right. It was like known for that. Right. Yeah. So um, we jump from this scene to the Union Forever scene. <laughs> yes. Okay. We're in Seth's. What? Oh, God. The things that Summer says, again, they seem so out of fucking character. Yeah. Because she's like, she's hopping onto the bed. We're in Seth's bedroom. And she's like, what does she say? She's like, you ready for your workout, Cohen? And I'm like... You want to stretch your hammies? Yeah, she's like, you want to stretch so you don't pull a hammy. Yeah. Yeah, you're ready for your workout, Cohen. And I'm like, ew. Like, like, okay, A, cool for being sex positive. Good on you. Episode gets an honorary ew count because of this scene. (laughs) Because of that fucking dialogue. Yes. And again, I'm getting a little bit of whiplash for the 180 degree turn from last episode where they were like, ah, sex is so awkward. There were elbows and fucking nutsacks everywhere. I don't know if she actually stepped on my fucking eyeball to this episode where it's like suddenly they're super into sex and like they're both really great at it. And like apparently she's just coming all the time and she's like, come and ride your pony, Cohen. Which is deeply ironic because... I feel like I told you this at one point, but I'm going to repeat it again on a recorded medium. Do it. Ready? Yep. So, the actress who plays Summer. I do not remember her name at this point in time. Do not at me. This actress has her own podcast, right? Yeah. And she used to date Bill Hader, right? And she went on one of either her podcast or somebody else's fucking podcast. I don't know. And was like, the first time I ever had an orgasm during vaginal sex was when I was 38 years old. Rachel Bilson. That's her fucking name. Good job. I got there. And what the internet did 
was rushed to see whom she was dating at age 38. And that person was not Adam Brody, <laughs> who plays one Seth Cohen. Yeah. And they were, they dated at the time, either after the filming of the show or during. Mm-hmm. And so the whole internet was like, Adam Brody. Wasn't the Brody dick. You batted dick and down. Nope. Who was it? Bill Hader. Who apparently has just like magic skills in the boudoir. Yes. Good for you, Bill Hader. Bill Hader, if you're listening, let us know what your secret is. Right. I'd yep. love to know. Yeah. I'd love to know. I just want to know. You know? Just curiosity. Scientific research. I'm not going to try and, you know, I'm not going to try and... What, what do they say? What do the rappers say? Um, I'm not going to try and... Uh, what what's it called when you when when you when you borrow someone's style or when you um, appropriate or misappropriate another rapper's is it biting? Sure. Try and bite my stees. Sure. I'm not gonna. <laughs> if it were 1997, this is what we would say. <laughs> We're going to the next scene. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's still this scene because she's like, you want to dig down, Cohen? And he's like, you know what? Until you're ready to acknowledge me in public. And he says it this way. I am on strike. <laughs> and she's like, but fuck me, daddy. And he's like, nope. Mm-mm, not going to do it. I'm leaving. And then he leaves. And she's like, but I'm still so wet. He uses some kind of union terminology. That comes later. When, no, but he says it when he leaves, too. Just like a one-off, like... He does? Yeah. Yeah? Like, bye, y- union. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you say at the end of every meeting, right? Yeah, after a meeting, I go, bye, union. <laughs> Not to be confused with the bi union, the union for bisexuals. Yes. So I'm also the secretary treasurer. We're very strong. (laughs) Okay. So Ryan is coming home from his beach walk slash advertisement for Sandals Resort. And who is in the driveway of the Cohen's house? And I have so many questions about this that I just want to, again, kind of breeze through because we have taken up so much time. Um, This is... Even prior to MapQuest, I feel like. (laughs) Yes, and these suburbs are designed to be confusing because they do not want outsiders finding people's homes. How is Eric Balfour here on this driveway? How? Yes, so Eddie has driven up in his vehicle and he's waiting outside and Ryan comes up and he is waiting and we're like, how the fuck did you find out where the fuck he lives? Yeah. All that aside, maybe he got it from Ryan's brother because he says he visited him in prison. But where? How? Ryan? How no. would Ryan know? No. Oh no! Ryan's brother might know because they mailed him cake, so he would know the return address. I'm trying to put together these things that the writers did not do. Why would he keep the return address? So he can say I send things. They don't know how the prison works. I don't fucking know. <laughs> That's it. okay in in canon. That's how I'm thinking right. that Eddie found out where he lived because right, he said right. he said he had visited his brother and it sucks that he's still in lockup. Yes. Okay. 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 So we're there and Eric has come to ask if Ryan. Oh knows shit! Is it Eric or Eddie? Eddie. 
Is it Eric? You're probably right. Is no, it Eric? No, it is. I think the actor's name is Eric. Eric Balfour. You're right. It's yeah. Eddie. His Eddie. name. Yeah, the character's name is Eddie. Eddie Eric. Edric. Edric. <laughs> wants to know where Teresa is. And we're not sure why Ryan lies in this scene, but he does. And he says he hasn't seen Teresa. Again, from my perspective, because I'm still thinking that in their talk on the beach, did she mention that Eddie had proposed to her? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So we do know that he's not, it's not abusive. Right. Yeah. Okay. I actually think that Ryan is being a real one for, for, for her. Um, because if she wanted Eddie to know where she was, she would tell him. Yeah. So it is not Ryan's place to uh, that. uh, That's my interpretation of why he lies. We do get also a vague, ominous kind of feeling from this whole scene. Mm -hmm. Like it could be Ryan punch part (laughs) infinity wars at any point. And it may still come to that. Who knows? Who knows? Whom indeed. But yeah, he's like, nope, I haven't seen her. And he's like, all right, well, you know, you really made it yourself here, man. You're, yeah. you're doing good for yourself. I'm glad you got out. You know? Yeah. He does seem like a solid guy, this Eddie character. And we learn from, from Teresa that he's a foreman at his job. Yeah. He's not doing drugs and booze like all of his friends are. He's an he upright is, stand-up guy. He is eight years older than Teresa, and Teresa is canonically 17. Okay. So that's weird and gross. Oh, uh, that is a little weird and gross. Yep. Okay. No, she did not tell him. Ryan, Teresa did not tell Ryan that they were engaged because after this conversation, Ryan goes immediately over to the motel right. to yell at Teresa. And she's like, he proposed to me, but I yep. didn't say yes. Yep. I left. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. No, he did say that they're engaged. And he was like, you didn't tell me you were engaged. Yes. And that's oh, where she's yeah, yeah. like, we're but, not because I didn't say yes. Right. Yes. And it takes two to engage. Yes. Eddie. Yep. <laughs> Fucking Eddie. So Summer comes over to the Cohen stronghold to try and get Seth to cross the picket line. And there's a lot of fun <laughs> double entendres. He was he's like he's like, you left two hours ago. And she says it feels like four. She's like she really wants that bone. Yeah. And she's like, you know, and this is maybe one of the also the strangest things that I don't think Summer would say. She's, she leans in close and she's like, it wouldn't be like you were a scab if you weren't doing any of the work. And I'm like, just masturbate. Just, honey. Everybody. Just masturbate. Yeah. Just go home. Just get a lube. I bet you have... Get a vibrator. A little vibe. Yeah. Just masturbate. Like, you don't have to fuck this guy. Uh, just masturbate. But we do have to fuck guys in a heteronormative culture that does not prioritize actually what women are feeling. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And he's like, nope, I'm staying strong. This is where he says... Solidarity? Uh, yeah, he says solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
He says a few other things too, like uh, union jargon. I can't remember what it is. He's like the working class. Uh, oh, he says rank and file. Yes. He says the rank and file are holding strong <laughs> solidarity. <laughs> he puts a fucking fist up. And her argument is something like to get him to sleep with her is like, what if you didn't have to do anything? It's not technically crossing a picket line. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's literally what I just said. But anyway, I guess you weren't listening to me. That's fine. Uh, I don't blame you. I'm very boring. So, yes. Anyway, he is holding strong and she's like, boo-hoo. And she leaves. Yep. And it's still the evening. I am the worst. I'm sorry. Not a big deal. We're both very tired. We are tired. Okay. So while this situation is happening, Caleb comes over to Julie's house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All this all this stuff is happening in the same evening. Yep. With a bouquet of flowers. And the only thing that we really need to gloss over here and communicate is that Caleb is there for a booty call. He didn't know what a booty call was. Julie. And Julie's like, is this a booty call? And he's like, a what? <laughs> what is a booty call? Julie tells him what it is and slams the door in his face. And he's like, I guess it was a booty call. <laughs> yeah, I love it. The timing is great. He turns around. He looks sort of sheepishly at the flowers he brought. And he's like, I guess it was a booty call. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we have the dinner scene. Yeah. So Ryan is hanging out with Teresa. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I guess I should go. And uh, she's like, okay, cool. And he's like, are you hungry? And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm famished. And he's like, what are you going to do for food? And she's like, blah, blah. And he's like, come with me. You're coming with me. We're going to we're going to get a real meal in you. And she's like, yay. Yeah. And he throws her the keys and they go. Yeah. They show up and Kirsten is plating th- uh, food from styrofoam containers. Those things look like fucking, they look like. It looks like catering. Caterer things. Yeah, like the amount of food they've gotten is obscene. Yep. But anyway. Uh, oh, this is where the telenovela metaphor comes in. Yes. Uh, Seth is trying to explain to Sandy and to Kirsten yeah. what is happening. Oh, it's it's a cute little thing. It's a cute little thing. Yeah. Because Ryan comes in with Teresa and they're like, oh, it's very nice to meet you. Yada, yada. And Teresa, being a good guest, is like, hi, can I help? And Kirsten's like, oh, yeah, sure. Here, you can help me plate this stuff from these big styrofoam containers. And Seth comes over and he's like, <laughs> um, Something about you brought your friend over. Yeah, he's like, this is not... uh, He's like, tell me what this is, because it's obviously not nothing or something like that. He's like, she's just my friend. And then Seth leaves, and then... um, No, 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 Ryan goes uh, to help Teresa, and the parents come over to Seth, and they're like, what's going on? Tell us this is something, because it certainly isn't not nothing. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, that's when Seth is like, this is our own little telenovela. Uh Uh-huh. It is exceptionally telenovela because a scene that we glossed over and we're going to allude to real quick, uh, Marissa is at home on the couch again, like watching TV or reading or something, and she has a conversation with Jimmy about how she's trying to be friends with Ryan, but she really wants to be more than friends. And 
Jimmy gives her the same advice that has not worked four times previously <laughs> between these two episodes. He's like, just go tell him the what he was the, the gesture, make a big one. And she's like, okay. To quote Billy Joel, you got to tell her about it. Tell her everything you feel. Yep. Give her some attention. Um, uh, don't look at me. Per- I don't squeal something. Something squeal. Yes. Who's 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 into Billy Joel? Jump into our DMs at <laughs> or O Y G W W T O C. Uh huh. Dot Tumblr dot com. <laughs> Just rolls off the fucking tongue. Rolls off the tongue. And so, yes, okay, her grand fucking gesture, and we all saw it goddamn coming. Uh, everyone is sitting at the table. Um, people are learning. Oh, they're having a grand old time uh, because Teresa is telling them stories about Ryan and uh, from from Chino. And he's like, oh, my God, can we please tell a story that doesn't involve me falling over or injuring myself somehow? And Seth is like, well, they could tell you. Uh, you could talk about your days doing th- musical theater. And Sandy's like, I used to do musical theater in college. You should tell us all about it. Ding dong. Who's at the fucking door? It's Marissa. It's Marissa. But also Seth has some kind of throwaway comment about John Travolta. Yeah. Like you got nothing on Creed. Oh, 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 oh. Kirsten is like, okay, well, we need to fucking change the subject before he dives into Grease Lightning. Uh, and yeah, Seth is like, you could kick to, you could, you could fuck up Travolta. I would pay so much money to see Peter Gallagher do Grease Lightning. Okay, I didn't know where you were going. I didn't know if you were going to say Peter Gallagher do Grease Lightning or Peter Gallagher try to beat up John Travolta. Grease Lightning, baby. Go Grease Go Lightning. Yes. Yes. Perfect. No notes. <laughs> okay, moving on. Nobody um, can actually talk about anything because Marissa is showing up at the door. Yeah, oh my god. She, she is, ruins the whole fucking party. The whole fucking party. Sorry, I keep talking over you. It, uh, the scene ends with her sitting down at like the head of the table and going, so what was everybody talking about? And they cut away. Right, everyone's boners go. Yep. Uh, the next morning, Eddie calls to talk to Ryan because he also has Seth's cell phone, the house's number. I, wh- who, where, how? Are oh, we- yeah, that's right. He was talking with Seth. Seth comes into Ryan's room and yes. is like, it's Eddie on the phone. Are you here? Yes. He's covering the receiver and Ryan motions like, no, I'm not here. And so he's like, oh, no, sorry, man. I missed him. And Eddie just hangs up on him. Yes. So they differentiate between a love triangle and a love rhombus <laughs> because it was a triangle between Marissa and Teresa and Ryan, but now that Eddie is involved, it is four corners. We are four cornering the love triangle, everybody. Uh, Sandy goes to talk to Caleb about Uncle Sean's misdeeds. And obviously... Um, Obviously. Sean's misdeeds are misdeeding. Yeah. And this is where Caleb, this is yes. we alluded to it before. Caleb yes. says, you know, 
Uh, I kept Kirsten safe by not telling her about all of this stuff. However, she would be incriminated because she signed all of Sean's checks. Yes. Yep. yep. That sequentially is where that happens. In the student lounge, this is where Anna is playing Ms. Pac-Man. And Summer comes up to apologize to her. Let's quickly talk about what Anna is fucking wearing. So she's wearing, again, jauntily cocked to one side, a newsy cap. Newsy cap. She you gotta wearing, have a newsy cap for playing Ms. Pac-Man. Gotta be playing a news, wearing a newsy cap. She is wearing what appears to be. Now, this sweater is very confusing. It is a long sleeve sweater. I was studying this fucking thing because it's, it is so fucking confusing. It's gray. It has a uh, stitched anus. <laughs> it's not an anus. It's an anus. Okay. So it is a gray long sleeve sweater. The left sleeve is black. The right sleeve is light gray. And the front of the sweater is mostly light gray. So, okay. The front and the right sleeve is light gray. The back and the left sleeve are black. On the front, the stitching, and I finally figured it out. It is a black and gray hand embroidered version of the Union Jack. The British flag. But it's white. No, it's it's black. The it's stitched black on her on her top. Oh okay. Um and there's a patch. There's a patch on the right breast that says Jetem. Uh-huh. What? What? We don't we don't know. What? And I think she's got a long sleeve button down under the sweater. It is either the Union Jack or the anus flag from community. <laughs> I think it's the Union Jack. That's where my brain went. To so, okay. Flag. You talk about, you talk about her conversation with Summer. I'm going to try and find this fucking. Oh, there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to find it. No. How, no. Unless you do Google images of that specific episode. I'm going to try. It's called the telenovela. Yep. Uh, Summer doesn't think that their relationship is going to last much longer, and this is where she gives this little heartfelt speech about how she is dumb and Seth is smart, and eventually Seth is going to realize that he's too good for her and he's going to dump her because everybody dumps Summer, and that's why she is afraid of taking their relationship public, not because she is ashamed of Seth Cohen. Do we buy that? Do we do we think that's actually what she's feeling? We think that the actress delivers that speech reasonably well to make it believable, but we have no idea what Summer's actual character is. If if Summer's character is whatever the writers need her to be in the moment, then yes, we believe that. Yeah. Damn, they've got a lot of really good Anna outfits, but I can't find that specific one. Sorry. It's fine. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Um, So this makes me so upset because, again, I really like the character of Anna. Like, I think they've written an interesting character. Yeah. I think they've written an emotionally very mature character uh, who is better than this, deserves better than this, and needs to fucking... Basically, armchair therapy, both of these idiots who broke her heart. Like, both of them are complicit in breaking her heart. Yeah. You know? And I just it just sucks 
that she A, has enough experience with relationships and B, has enough insight into these fucking idiots and their whole fucking deal that she can be like, this is what you need to do. You're being a putz. Stop being a fucking putz. Like, you don't deserve my help. B, she doesn't say that, but we all know it. They don't deserve her fucking help because they both fucking, you know, screwed her over. Yeah. But anyway, she's like, you're both being putzes. This is what the fuck you need to do. Yada, yada. And she's essentially the reason that this episode has a happy ending. Like, they can't have two sidelined for more romantic interests in age inappropriate relationships <laughs> because i f- so i feel like for this reason anna is not long for this series no i don't think she is at all yeah but whatever <sighs> okay. I, ho- I hope she keeps i hope she wows us with a few extra lukes before they get rid of her. I thought they'd gotten rid of her. I thought she had served her purpose of just being the jilted lover, but yeah. she didn't even get to bone him. Yeah. Apparently he's decent at it. I guess. It is what it is. Not according to Rachel Bilson. So now Seth has also been given the... Okay, Seth has been given... Luke gets a booty call. Oh! From Julie Cooper. Is that Does that happen now? I thought that happens right at the end. Nope. I think that happens. Oh, you're totally right. Yep. I remember now. We don't have to spend that much time on it, but also it's very funny because Julie had to just teach Caleb what a booty call is and realizes that she is young and fun and wants to have young and fun sexual experiences. So she calls Luke and is like, Luke, this is a booty call. Right. She's like, Luke. And he's like, Oh, it's great. He picks up and he's like, Miss Coot. And he's, she's like, do not say my name out loud. <laughs> and she's like, you are going to go to the hotel tonight. You are going to the same room that I have been at. You are going to knock twice so I know it's you. Yep. And Luke, this is a booty call. <laughs> and the look, the grin, the smile on his face is fucking impeccable. Yeah. And again, I ship it and I shouldn't. I ship it and I shouldn't. These characters are happy and that's not always a given in this show. In fact, it is never a given. So we're yep. just going to celebrate when people are happy. <laughs> um, Marissa goes, we immediately think some shit is going to go down because as soon as uh, Julie tells him to go to the motel, Marissa goes to the motel mm-hmm. and to talk to Teresa and or have a girly scratch I Pillow fight, fight foxy Pillow. boxing, foxy boxing. <laughs> but no, they're just there to talk about their feelings for Ryan. Yep. And there's something about Saint Teresa or whatever, and we're juxtaposing this shot with uh, Ryan driving back from Chino because mm-hmm. this also happened at some point. Ryan, he's driving to Chino. Oh, to Chino because he's going to go have a talk with Eddie. Eric Balfour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're actually sort of juxtaposing his conversation with Eddie because he comes clean to Eddie yes. at Eddie's job. Yes. And he says, I lied to you. And Eddie's like, why would you lie to me? And he's like, you know. Um, it's not really well explained sort of what happens in that. Yeah. Eddie says that he really loves Teresa. He asks Ryan if he does. And Ryan doesn't have a good answer. And Eddie's like, well, I do. 
And he's like, I will fight for her if I have to. Yeah. He's like, you better figure this out. You got a lot. And he like taps, he pats Ryan on the shoulder and he's like, you know, you got a lot to think about on your drive home. Which is absolutely going to show up under previously on. Oh, fucking absolutely. It goddamn is. Hondo P. I honestly, I do not ship Ryan and Teresa. No. Um, I don't ship Ryan with goddamn anybody. Yeah. I ship Ryan with a fiction. I ship Ryan with a therapist. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Probably I ship, professionally ship them. I ship Ryan with Seth when Seth is not talking about Seth. <laughs> I ship Seth with Sandy. Ryan with Sandy? Ryan with Sandy. Yeah. Excuse me. Oh, I think they're perfect. Yeah. yeah. They're perfect together. They get each other. They're like two sides of the same coin. I would just watch four seasons of them surfing. I'd watch, yeah, seasons of them just playing Dynasty Warriors. And learning life lessons. Eating pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Maybe Ryan could become like a paralegal, you know, something like that. That'd be great. It'd be perfect for him. Keep him out of trouble. So, yes, the girls are talking. And it's actually, I kind of really liked the metaphor. So, Teresa says that um, when she was a little girl... Um, there was a statue stained glass window, right? Stained glass window. Thank you. Of St. Teresa, um, who has an arrow in her heart. And, uh, you know, she says that one day she always hoped that, uh, an angel would, you know, shoot her with love's arrow. And something probably tells me St. Teresa was, was martyred by being shot and not, not necessarily being shot by Cupid's arrow, but that's how she interpreted it. You know, and she was kind of hoping one day she would fall in love. And so Teresa's inner struggle, um, her inner conflict is, does she love Eddie enough? Because she says very nice things about him. She says, you know, he's very reliable. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a foreman. He's not a, he's not a, a drug addict, anything like that. Um, and then she very forcefully says, and he loves me. And that's where whoever she's speaking with says... And they kind of, they, they get it. And she's like, do you love him? Yeah. And the only answer Teresa has, and she's, you can kind of tell she's not just answering Marissa. She's also answering herself. She's what is she, she's like, I have to think about it or something like that. At no point does anybody of any age interrogate. Okay. You're 17. He's 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the shit is Were he- you doing finger counting just yeah. there now? What's the difference? Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And eight years is, it, yeah, it's not huge. How old, dare but. you call me out for finger counting because I can't add in my head. I couldn't either. I couldn't. I would have to finger count too. I didn't know if you were casting a little spell or something like that. You were doing some finger stuff. And I was like, what's going on over there? I can't count. I'm not better than you. I okay. can't count. Okay. I didn't know when my own birthday was until I was like 20. Okay. <laughs> but We're perfect for each other. It's great. But again, at no point. Mm-hmm. Does, does anyone, yeah, does anyone Does go, anyone say, maybe you also you're 17 and maybe don't marry anyone. anyone. Yeah, right. Maybe take a little time to not be married. <laughs> When you're fucking 17 years old. Right. Yeah. No one does. But it's great. The girls have a heart to heart. Ryan and Eddie had their heart to heart. And uh, it's great. It's fucking great. The the shot is a wide shot of the two doors of the hotel. As Julie. As Julie Cooper is opening up her door. 
and entering that hotel room, uh-huh. Marissa Cooper is exiting the hotel room directly next door, and they do not see each other like a sex farce. The show is edging <laughs> us. It is! I didn't consent! I didn't consent! <laughs> I guess I'm watching it. I guess I kind of you implies consent. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, um... Da-da-da. Kissing booth. Kissing booth. Kissing booth is live at school. We are cutting to the kissing booth. Yep. Um Duncan, Bra- Brandon, Sman, Spran. Brad. Brad. What was the guy's name we came up with however many episodes ago? I do not recall. <laughs> it's too late for me to remember things that I said. Somebody texted us the name yes. that we came up with, <laughs> if you can remember. So Brad is kissing and being kissed by girls. Um, this is all very heteronormative. Do we actually show Brad being kissed by girls? We see girls swooning there? later. Yeah. There's line, there is a line of girls to kiss Brad. I don't but know they, if we see them or not. I don't think we do. We do see a guy plant a big old smooch on Summer, though. Yep. And that's when Cohen comes to the, he charges to the front of the line. He gives the guy a wad of bills. Yep. He's like, here's your refund. Get out of here. And Summer's like, Cohen, what the fuck are you doing? You're causing a scene. What the fuck is this for charity? So you know how I taught you what a fan cam was? Yes. So this is the moment that had fan cams existed in 2003, would have been fan cam. Ah. The Summer and Seth Shippers love this. So this moment. is their equivalent of the Ferris wheel. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. So this is his big moment. He's like, you're going to acknowledge. He's like, you're going to kiss all of these guys in public and you will not kiss me. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And people are like, what the fuck are you guys dating? And he's like, yes. I am dating Summer. I am Seth Cohen. I am a nerd. I am a geek. She is fucking awesome. No, he says I am an emo kid. Or That's something right. Like that. That's right. And he stands up on the table and he's like, you will acknowledge me now. And or- the camera kind of tilts to encapsulate his long torso. <laughs> right. They put on a wide angle lens <laughs> so they can catch the entirety of his body in a single frame. <laughs> um and he's like, you, what does he say? He's like, you will acknowledge me now. Or lose me forever. Or lose me forever, yeah. And he sticks his hand out, and she's conflicted, and people are like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Summer is dating Cohen? <laughs> and they're like laughing, and Brad's like, ew, what the fuck is happening right now? Uh, and this is great, because... Uh, she she takes his hand and she gets up on that table and they smooch and they're smooching and they're smooching and all of the guys in line all evacuate just like with disappointed looks on their faces. They're like, but then they cut to the line of girls and they're all like, "Ah." they've got like big fucking beaming smiles on their faces. The whole line has turned to chibis. (laughs) Um, at any point in your high school career, would you have stood in line with your fellow schoolmates for a kissing booth? Well, I went to an all boys school. Okay. I know this, but you have to remember that. Yeah. 
But you interacted with girls. You were in like musicals yeah, with girls. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I would have been no, a thousand percent no. No, I would have been mortified to have even considered such a thing. No. Never. Never in a million years. Also, what is the inflation rate of ten dollars to twenty twenty three dollars? Ooh, let's find out. This will be the this will be the we ask our phone of the of the episode. All right, Teresa starts packing twenty dollars from two thousand and three for inflation to 2023. Here is information from inflation calculator. Also okay. is $10, not $20. Oh, whoops. Um, $10 from 2003 for inflation to 2023. Here is information from inflation calculator. Uh, okay. Value of $10. Uh, worth, uh, oh, sixteen thirty-five today. That's not awful, I guess. Oh wait, no, hang in. That's for twenty thirteen. We're in twenty twenty-three, motherfucker. Um, inflation calculator is not really. It's not helping me out here. Okay. Oh, oh, oh here we go. Here we go. Okay, I got the I got the right number in today. No, it is it is six. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, 1635. There we go. So Teresa is in the hotel and she is motel and she is packing her shit and she is calling Eddie because she has made the decision to get married to his predatory question mark ass. <laughs> and there's a knock at the motel door while she is asking the foreman or whatever to get Eddie on the phone and she puts the receiver on the bed. Like you do. We we pull in on that receiver very purposefully, and I'm like, oh, God. Who's at the door? It is Ryan Atwood. One Ryan Atwood. She's like, Ryan. I'm going to quote my source material. Do it. Blah, blah, do the right thing, blah, blah, figure out what that is, blah, blah, why don't I want you to go, blah, blah, why don't I want to go, blah, blah, and they start kissing. And they smooch. I don't ship it. We do not ship it because it is the dumbest possible decision Ryan could have made. Like, I understand. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, and I think I came to the exact same conclusion that you just did right now. It makes sense for his character. Yep. It makes sense because it's a person who is genuinely nice to him and interested in him. And she's hot as fuck. And, 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 most importantly, I think, it is someone who listens to him and is, oh, yeah, and is home to him as well. Yeah. Someone from Chino, somebody with whom he can actually connect on a very um, personal level. But yeah, again, someone who fucking listens to him. Yeah. Like, that is so big. Like, here's my problem with the storyline that we're setting up. It is... Uh, Ryan is being shuffled from one girl problem mm-hmm. to another girl problem. Mm-hmm. But also, what else are we going to do on this show? Is he going to learn calculus? No. Is it going to... No? He's a smoldering hottie that he is there to be put in romantic positions. It's romantic smoldering hottie positions. Full stop. Like, yeah, that is his point. Yep. How do you like them apples? I'm surprised they haven't made him sh- shirtless more often, honestly. <laughs> like, the restraint that they have shown 
vis-a-vis Ryan Atwood shirtless. I think they quickly realize that he is still, in fact, underage. (laughs) And that is the end of the episode. We uh, close in on a shot of the telephone on the bed, Mm -hmm. and Eddie is saying, Teresa, Teresa, are you there? She is not there. She's not there, Eddie. She's not there. Okay. Yeah. It was a really fun episode for the most part. I enjoyed a lot of the sexual politics, you know, felt very sex farcy, you know. There was some snappy dialogue. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Smooching. I'm a big fan of smooching. Sandy Uh, Cohen. Annie. uh, Annie. Anna had some great outfits, uh, which I always appreciate. Keep me, keep me on my toes. Keep me guessing (laughs) as to what the fuck you're going to do next, Anna. But yeah, that last part, I, I don't ship it. I honestly don't. They seem like good friends. From their neighborhood. Obviously, they dated in the past, but like, whatever. That's what Ryan needs friends and a therapist and friends yeah. and a family and friends. Yeah. That's what, but yeah. this is this is a soap opera. So this is our new fucking plot line, apparently. We've moved on from Oliver, and now this is the Eddie slash Teresa plot line, and we'll see how many episodes this one takes to fucking wrap up and do a nice, neat bow. We'll see who gets poisoned in the morgue. I don't. And um, I want to. I want to poisoned in the morgue. Poisoned in the morgue. Is that a euphemism for something? It's whatever you want it to be. Anal. So <laughs> I do want to point out one thing: the cinematography of this show is. Um, uh, pointed is that maybe what i want to say like pulling in on the phone receiver yeah it was foreshadowing right uh there foreshadowing that's the word i was looking for so (laughs) when luke so when uh we're going way way back in the episode julie and jimmy have just come out of their weird teacher conference right parent teacher conference and luke is in the hallway and he's like oh hey mrs cooper and mr cooper well i right and it's an incredibly awkward conversation both of you because you're both here and he's like see you later both of you uh at a different time and then like he tries to leave through a door that's like locked yeah. and he's just struggling he's like uh he's like leaves in the most awkward way and there's this very brief slow pan to jimmy to Cooper's jimmy's face. face yes that is exactly what i'm talking about yeah they would not have done that slow pan of jimmy's face with kind of an inscrutable look on it uh-huh unless my guess is they are not going to they're not going to let Luke and Julie off the hook without consequences for their actions, which is a shame. Just in my opinion, I would have loved for them to neither face consequences for what is essentially a harmless romp in the in the hay. But also she ain't married. She ain't married. What's the he ain't married. OK, but he's 18. Sorry. <laughs> if you put it in the literal context of the other characters, he's her daughter's ex-boyfriend. Yeah, it's a little messy. It's a little messy, Again, but they're not dating now. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, we're going to do a historic occasion and not do heroes and villains cuz we're both tired as hell. Oh, come on. We're only at two hours and seven minutes. We got this. Real quick heroes and villains. Fine. Okay. 
You go first. <laughs> Villain. Teresa. Villain is Teresa. I'm sorry. I didn't see that coming. Can you explain? She is lying to someone who is her friend. Jimmy? We're not Jimmy. Eddie? Ryan? Ryan. How do you think she's lying? She lied about her... uh, Engagement? Engagement. She is probably lying about being out of school. You think? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I get bad vibes. It's less enemy. There's no real, like, villain and more, like, person with least good vibes. I would say Caleb Nichol is my villain of the episode. Um, if for no other reason than... Not Uncle Seth? It's... It's me... Eh. You mean Sean? Sean. Um, yes. Uh, no, because Caleb... Caleb's the boss of that whole thing. You know, if he didn't want Sean to do these unsavory things, then he could tell him not to do them. We did also discuss my internalized misogyny earlier. Yes. So yes, that's yes, yes. why Teresa... That's true. Yeah. Um, my hero of the episode is Anna. Anna's uh she does she does her best. She shows a tremendous character in the in the face of shitty shitty circumstances. She's a good friend despite how she has been trod upon by both Summer and Seth. So Anna's my hero for the episode. Yeah. Who's your hero? Summer. Okay, explain. She overcame her internal monologue about how she's not smart enough for mm-hmm. Seth she decided to go for it she put her uh, emotions ahead of her bad brain yeah 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 yeah, yeah. what did what she released the rope yes is that a uh, therapy yeah yeah yeah. But that's more specifically about anxiety. But that is anxiety. She yeah. was experiencing anxiety. Yeah. So I think she released the rope. Yeah. And she, yeah. No, I think that's a really good hero. And I dig the reasoning for it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think we chose good heroes. Someone should do a fan cam of Seth and Summer and send it to us on our Tumblr. There you go. That'd be great. We need engagement, guys. Engagement. We're going to keep making these, but... I, I want engagement. I don't give a shit about <laughs> engagement. <laughs> uh, All right. I'm excited to see what happens next episode. This episode was a lot of fun. You have sort of foreshadowed that um, not a lot of future episodes are going to be fun in the same way. So I'm glad that I got to soak this one in. It felt kind of like a, a it felt almost Shakespearean in a way. It felt almost like um, a Midsummer Night's Dream, you know. A lot of, you know, a lot of smooching. We've said that about at least four of these episodes. Yeah, this is the Shakespeare of their day. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone would disagree with me. Sandy Cohen is Perpetua. Who's Puck? Luke. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Tell us who you think Puck is. <laughs> California, Sarah? California. You just listened to Orange You Glad We Watched The O.C., the show about watching and talking about The O.C., recorded in Guest Bedroom Studios, hosted by Sarah and Evan. 
original concept and discussion questions by Sarah. Audio recording and engineering and editing by Evan. Please give this podcast as many stars or thumbs up as the platform you're listening to it on will allow you to give us. Copyright 2023.